Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. I am so excited for the podcast this year. So last week's episode was really hard for me, but I knew that I needed to share that message for some reason. So I hope that it resonated with you. But what I'm really excited about is the upcoming podcast episodes. I've decided to change things a little bit. I like to shake things up. So here's what we're going to do. Throughout this next year, I'm going to have kind of mini series For instance, the month of January, I'm going to have some series that really focus on um, postpartum care and pregnancy and parenting. I'm going to have some really great guests um, that really just share their heart with you. And then you're going to have an episode where I reflect on my conversations with people and also just share some fun things that I have found throughout the month. So what you may or may not know about me is that I love podcasts. Obviously, I've probably shared that 20 times. I love podcasts so much. I listen to so many different ones, but I also love audiobooks. That is one of the ways that I have learned that is super beneficial for me. So I listen to audiobooks. Um, I read articles. I always talk with people about new and exciting things that are coming up. I love dreaming with people. And so I think that's what a part of that conversation should be. You know, what are some things that are just really fun that I'm finding out about? What are some things that are really interesting? What might be beneficial for you? And so I'm really excited to bring you that part of things. Now, on today's episode, I'm going to have Annalise Lawton. She is absolutely amazing. Um, She is a writer. She's a blogger. She is a mother um, to two amazing boys. And she lives with her husband in Canada. Which actually, if you are familiar with this, I'm in North Dakota, so I kind of consider us neighbors. I mean, kind of, you know, close enough. Anyway, (laughs) um, but she is on and she is so great about being really, really vulnerable with parenting. So the days that are hard and kind of suck, she just kind of says it like it is. She's open about, you know, mental health concerns. She's an advocate for women. I mean, she's advocating to take care of yourself, to acknowledge when something isn't right, to be the best mother that you can be, but give yourself some grace. I mean, how much do we all need that message, right? I mean, any parent, mother, father, guardian, whoever it may be, we all need that message. Do the best we can. Give ourselves some grace and it's all going to work out. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with her as much as I did. All right, Annalise, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, yes, absolutely. I appreciate you taking some time away. I know that you um, have two two boys, is that correct? I do, I do, (laughs) and they're they're very close in age, so it's a lot of fun over here. (laughs) Absolutely, but trying to sneak away is kind of difficult, so I appreciate that you took that time to arrange No problem. It was a great no week. problem. I'm coming to you from my closet. Yes, I love that so much. <laughs> Definitely done that myself before too. So that's great. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So my name is Annalise Lawton. Um, I'm the voice behind the Grown Up Glamour blog. Um, and I'm from just outside of Toronto, Canada. Um, 
I started blogging about three years ago when my first pregnancy kind of hit a little road bump and I wasn't really able to find anyone that was going through what we were going through um, in person. So I hopped online and I found a community and then I started writing about it. And then about a year ago, I decided to ditch my job, which was in the environmental field and try to pursue this full time. So that's what I've been doing now. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I was trying to think back. I think I've kind of been following your journey probably for about six months now. Um, And it's been really neat to see how it's evolved. You know, it it seems like especially like I don't know how you feel, but, you know, from an outsider's perspective, especially like this last like five months or so to be able to see like different people picking up your articles more and different things that are occurring. It's really cool to be able to witness that, too. Yeah, it's been totally surreal. And like in the last year, I've gone from having 300 followers on Facebook, which were mostly family and friends. Yeah. Too. Now I'm almost at 10,000. So it's just been such a crazy year. Yes. Yeah, that's great. So what do you think was the change? You know, how do you think? I mean, I have some theories, but what do you think <laughs> was the change? Um, and being able to get the word out about what you were doing and how you were trying to advocate for, you know, mothers? So I think I kind of struggled a little bit um, with writer's block because there were things that I wanted to write about and I wanted to share, but I felt like they were a little too vulnerable and a little too raw. So those sort of things are like postpartum depression. um, And I had a surgery for a tumor in September. And I think for those two things, I had a really difficult time accepting that they were happening to me. So I wasn't able to put those feelings into words. And I think once I was able to accept those things and put my feelings into words and talk about things that so many other people go through that are so real and so hard, that's when I really started to get good feedback and see, um, my posts being shared more often. Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. I think the way that you approach things just being so real is, you know, people are able to really connect with that a lot. Because I think what you're doing is saying things that a lot of us wish that we could say, but maybe we just don't feel I don't know, you know, if you feel comfortable all the time, you may not, I don't know. But, um, you know, we certainly don't always feel comfortable sharing some of that. And so being able to have a voice for that and knowing that you're not alone, I think that is a huge portion of it. Yeah, thank you. And I think too, once you start to talk and you get that feedback from people that other people are going through the same things, it kind of lights a fire under your butt to keep the conversation going because you do realize that you're not alone. Right. Um, Yeah. I would agree with that. What would you say has been the maybe the most shared or some of the biggest topics that you've noticed that especially maybe mothers um, or soon to be mothers really seem to resonate with? So I did one back in October on um, kind of postpartum maternal health care. And that by far has been my most shared post. And it's funny because I was sitting on my couch and I just kind of threw it together really quickly. I didn't it wasn't one of those posts that I mulled over. I just kind of wrote out exactly how I was feeling in the moment. And as of today, it's been shared. I think it's at almost 50,000 times. Oh my gosh. Um, And it's been shared by the Today Show and Motherly. And it's been shared in Australia, Thailand, Vietnam. Like it's just been insane. Um, And what the post was about and why I wrote it is, As I mentioned, I had surgery in September. I had a tumor removed from a gland in my neck. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And when I was sent home in Canada, we have something called CCAC and it's a type of care that follows up and checks in on you after you have surgery. Mm-hmm. So I was sent home, CCAC checked in on me. They looked after my stitches. I had a drain. They took care of that. Um, and I think they saw me every two days for the every two days for the first two weeks of my recovery uh-huh. until after that two weeks, I went back and saw my surgeon. Mm-hmm. So fantastic care. In January, I had a C-section. Mm-hmm. I didn't see my OB until eight weeks postpartum. No one checked in on me um, medically after I was sent home. It was all for my baby, which is amazing. Obviously, babies, are they should come first in sure. that type of situation. Um, but no one checked in on me and no one checked my stitches and no one took care of my post-op care. So I found that a little bizarre how there was kind of that gap in surgery recovery that if you're a mom and you're recovering from like a birth, Mm -hmm. there isn't someone there to call you and check in and make sure everything's going okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that's kind of different all over the world. I received comments saying, well, in, I believe it was Switzerland or the Netherlands that people, they have a midwife assigned to them. That's not always the case right. in other countries. It's actually in the U.S. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I think that um, that video, as soon as I, I remember watching the video where you were talking about that and immediately I messaged you and I was like, hey, is there any chance I could ever interview? Because I think the thing is that that is happening so often. And I'm a therapist here in the U.S. I don't know if I explained that portion to you. And so not only have I had my own experience postpartum, um, and just really throughout life in general where it felt really invalidating and there wasn't really a lot of care. But also I'm hearing yeah. from women every day that are telling me I'm not getting the care that I need. You know, I've been advocating for this concern. It's not, you know, no one's taking me seriously. And literally I listened to that and I was like, again, this happens again. Like this is just, yeah. it just seems like it's it's never ending. I think we're making some progress with it. Um, but I think it's really important for people to be able to hear that perspective and that difference. Cause not that it wasn't yeah. important for you when you, you know, had your surgery as well, um, on your tumor to be able to have that care, but it's just as equally important to be able to have that postpartum. Exactly. And you have this brand new baby in your arms and with my C-section, that was my second child. So I kind of already knew what I was being thrown into, even though that was my first cesarean. Uh Um, But some moms like are having cesareans with their first baby. And I can't even imagine having to recover from a C-section while trying to figure out everything else that's going on that comes along with being a first time mom. Um, It's tough. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And that was actually my experience. I had a C-section with my son. I mean, I only have one son and um, it, I, I knew in the moment that it was hard for me, but I don't think I had some clarity until afterwards, but that's what's made me so passionate about this as well is because, exactly. you know, you are, you're trying to adjust to things. And like, there was times when I couldn't, at first I couldn't even like get off the couch holding my son. Like my husband had to, yeah. you know, take him and just knowing yeah. that you can't respond in the way that you would like to, to your baby, because it maybe it takes you longer or in the hospital, you know, for, I don't know about in Canada, but in the U S for a while, um, some of the regulations are that you, you know, you can't get out of bed. Um, so I got to yeah. get up and take care of him. And so he's crying and my husband is a super deep sleeper and he sleep and that just, it's so hard on your mental health. Truly. It is. It is. And that was kind of what the point of that article was. And I, I did get some backlash from that article because people were saying that I didn't appreciate the type of healthcare that's available in Canada. And I do, I appreciate it so much. I have no concerns or complaints with the type of care that I received in hospital. When it comes to kind of 
the whole package of support available to moms after they're sent home, it's not there, especially when it comes to maternal mental health. There's such a hole in the system. And if you think that the healthcare system is awesome, it's probably because you haven't had to navigate and fall through those holes yourself. Right. Yeah, that's a very valid point. Um, Each person's perspective is different. You know, I think it's really important to note too, though, that you can really appreciate a system and still think that it needs to be improved. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah. We've spent a lot of time in the hospital for the last few years. So definitely, I, I have a lot of gratitude for the type of healthcare that we have here, but there definitely could be some improvements. Yes. What do you think for you personally, your experience would have been the most beneficial and helpful? Like what would you have in a perfect world? Of course, what would you have liked to have seen? Oh, geez. So yeah, it's hard to say. Um, I guess my, my biggest uh, issue with the system is the free resources that are available. So Thankfully, under my husband's health insurance, we have access to covered um, therapy costs. Mm -hmm. So they'll cover up to $750 worth of counseling or therapy or psychology or anything like that, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Except when you're paying for private therapy, the only one I was able to find that could take me when I was um, in a crisis was $250 a session. So think of how quickly that runs out. Um, So then I started calling the free resources that we have available and there was over two month wait list. So there just needs to be more resources available because when somebody is in a crisis and you call for help and that person on the other line is saying, I'm sorry, you're going to have to wait two months. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where I was going to be in two months. Like that day, I thought that like, I just couldn't go on any longer. Um, So it's really hard in those moments. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel and then no one is there able to help you. Oh, goodness. That's got to be such an isolating feeling, truly. It was for sure, especially like I was one of the first ones out of my group of friends to have a baby. Um, My husband, who is incredibly supportive, it doesn't matter how supportive your spouse can be. And even if they've experienced depression before, I don't think anybody can understand what it feels like to be a mother struggling with postpartum depression and losing their identity unless you've done, unless you've been through that. It is so hard to wrap your head around that. I couldn't before I had a child. Right. Yeah. I think that is a perfect summary of it until you've experienced it. And even so each person's experience is so different, but until you've experienced it, a lot of times you just really don't have even a partial understanding to it because that's supposed to be one, one of the happiest times in your life. But when there's such a change or it hasn't went how you were hopeful that it would go or whatever it may be, you know, whether there's difficulties with the baby, you know, I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong that can lead to, you know, really struggles. And so I think that sometimes that's a part of it is I don't think that even, you know, medical providers here realize how important it truly is. If a mom says that they're struggling, a lot of times they say, Oh, it's just, it's just, it's probably baby blues. Well, yeah. You know, yes, maybe some people do just struggle a little bit, you know, cause there's a lot of hormones, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff that's going on, but also sometimes it's much more serious than that. And that's pretty dismissive just to say, Oh, it's baby blues. So did you have that happen? So I told, I remember filling out a questionnaire in my OB's office. And and one of the questions was, are you struggling with depression or anxiety? And I checked off, yes. And we went through it and she confirmed that I was. 
And then that was the end of the conversation. Oh my goodness. Like there was, that was the end of the conversation. And I do have to say my family doctor was very proactive about, Hey Annie, how are you doing? How are you feeling? That sort of thing. But I never told her the truth. Um, You hear so many stories of moms coming forward and saying, you know, I'm struggling a little bit. And then there's the fear of having your baby taken away or someone thinking that you're a bad mom and your medical provider doesn't know who you are. They don't know your heart and your soul and who you are on the inside. So you really do fear that judgment that someone is going to think, well, she's a pretty crappy mom if she doesn't appreciate this little blessing that she has in her life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you're, I find that very often as well, that a lot of times mothers will say, well, I was kind of scared to say something because, you know, I didn't know if they would, we have CPS, so child protective services here. I don't know what you guys call it there, but you know, I was afraid they would call CPS and I didn't really want to harm my baby, but I was having thoughts of if something did happen, how would I respond to that? You know? And so it wasn't that people had a plan to harm their child. It was just more so like that anxiety thing of like, what if someone breaks into my home? How am I going to protect my child? You know, and different thoughts like that. Um, But I understand, I do understand, especially as a social worker, I understand the concern to that because if you, you aren't dealing with a provider that is very trained in that, they can really jump the gun and report you when it's just not necessary and not helpful, you know, (laughs) that's just not helpful. And I even remember um, when I called some of the the crisis helplines, they were asking me if I felt suicidal. And I just felt like I I can't honestly answer this question without fearing that someone's going to come in and take my baby away because I'm unstable. So I kept all of that to myself until I absolutely hit a breaking point and decided to get help. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be really nice if there, I know here in the U.S. we're doing more trainings um, from Postpartum Support International. And so I don't know if that's something that you guys maybe, you know, have some opportunity to do as well, but um, really focusing more on training professionals so that we can provide that safe place for somebody to be able to say, you know, I am feeling suicidal. It's not that I want to necessarily act on this, but this is how I am feeling in this moment. You know, I'm feeling like it's not going to get better because a lot of times I think, you know, what I have been told from a lot of clients is just, it feels like you're in a really dark place and it's never going to get better. And you just want it to end. You don't necessarily always want to die. You just want it to end. Exactly. I used to tell my husband, I just, I don't want to die. I just want to go to sleep for a really long time and, and maybe not wake up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I wonder in that moment, if you would have told your provider, I mean, obviously this is all guesstimation. There's no way we would know. Um, But I wonder how, you would have been approached then? Do you think your treatment would have been different from then on? Well, see, the thing is when I did tell my doctor that I was struggling, Uh it was almost like she was relieved that I had finally said it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she knew, Uh um, but I don't know if doctors know, like, I don't know if she felt comfortable, like coming to me and saying, I think you have depression. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if I hadn't accepted it and I didn't for a long time, I think I probably would have been defensive. So I think there's kind of two things here. I don't think it doesn't all fall on the provider. Mm -hmm. Um, There needs to be education for moms as well to know that postpartum depression doesn't necessarily mean that you want to 
kill or harm your child. Right. Um, it could come in the form of rage. It could come in the form of anxiety. It could come in the form of sadness, not wanting to get out of bed, thoughts of suicide. So there's all different ways that depression can come in. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we don't really know what that is. Mm -hmm. Like they don't go over that in the parenting handbook. Right. Right. <laughs> like they tell you like, oh, if your water breaks or if you start bleeding or they, they give you those types of things to look for, but no one ever tells you what to look for, for depression. Right. I love that you bring that up, that it's not all on the provider either, because I certainly do um, agree with that. And I think that we do have that responsibility as well. But I also think that what you said is spot on is that we're not mentioning that. And I think sometimes we're not mentioning it because we don't want to scare other moms or dads or, you know, whoever. Um, but I think part of the problem with that is then people are just like blindsided by what is this? You yeah. know, because you don't have a good really understanding. <laughs> Yeah. Totally. Motherhood is totally blindsided. <laughs> yes, it is. It's hard to adjust. I'm often that person, and I've even said this to one of my friends, and I think she may have thought, like, oh, something might be a little off with you. But I have always said that, you know, motherhood is one of the best things I've ever done, but it's also one of the hardest. And I'm not going to conceal that part of it because I, yeah. I think it would have been really helpful if someone would have said that. Maybe someone did. So if there's, you know, someone out there that's listening that was like, I told you, maybe I just forgot. But I really wish someone just would have said it's really hard. Yeah. Like, I think it's funny. One of the most, I, I saw this meme once and it said, trying to dress a six month old is like trying to dress a cat in a onesie. And I feel like that is the most comparison of motherhood. Like that is what it is. It's just, it's hard. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. There's a lot of things too that, I mean, you just have to learn as you go and learn from asking other people, you know, their experiences and such. And so it, I think in some ways too, it's one of the most vulnerable things as well, you know, that we're faced with to be able to have to say like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's really tough. It's tough to be able to, to have to say that portion of things too. It is. So would you say like, Besides the postpartum journey with other health issues, do you think that there's a difference in the way that men are treated when they have health concerns and the way women are treated just in general? Um, that's a good question. I've never really thought about it. Um, I'd say at least in my experience, no. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. In my experience, I'd have to say no. I'd say that I feel like I've always been taken seriously, at least by my provider. Um, and I've always found that my level of care has been really good. And if I have. Oh, oh no. I haven't noticed that. Okay. Sorry. Although. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, sorry, you cut out a little bit there. I'm not sure what happened. So my apologies. Can oh. you repeat that thought? Yeah, I think. I think for the most part, no, except when it comes to reproductive issues, uh -huh. maybe. Okay. Um, yeah. Like any, if I go to the doctor with a cough or a cold, or even when I was dealing with my tumor, um, I always felt like I was taken seriously and I am more emotional and I never felt, um, like I was being over emotional or like I was playing like dumbed down for how I was feeling. Sure. Um, but with reproductive issues, 
maybe we are treated a little differently. Um, but I've never had to really navigate that system all too much. I just know like when you think about abortion and um, like birth control methods and stuff like that, there definitely is a difference there when it comes to men and women's health. Right. Absolutely. I saw something the other day. It made me laugh because it was talking about how they're working on a birth control for men. Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. And it's like a yeah. cream. It's a cream that they would use. And I thought, well, isn't that convenient? You get just this cream that works. And yet we either have to have a shot or a patch or a pill or, you know, all sorts of things that yeah. can be done. I'm like, Or an oh, IUD. Right. You know, but you get a little cream. Hmm, isn't that helpful? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, like, that's totally bogus. But oh, oh my goodness, it's too funny though. So, how do you think that you can best advocate for yourself? Because it sounds like you were able when you were ready to share what you were going through um, and continue when you kind of met some some roadblocks. So, how would you recommend that someone would best advocate for themselves and their needs? I think. Um, again, just in my experience, I saw a few therapists, um, in my journey of kind of helping myself. Mm -hmm. And I think when I saw somebody that I felt either didn't understand or wasn't meeting my needs when it came to helping me work through my issues, I gave up. So it took me a really long time to eventually get there when I did find that person who was help, able to help me kind of come to grips with what was happening. Um, and the other thing is when I started my antidepressants, the first round of them did not work for me. Oh. I had a bad reaction. And again, I stopped. Um, I stopped taking them and I struggled again. So when it comes to kind of pushing through and working through these problems, I think we need to understand that it's not going to go smoothly all the time and we can't give up. We have to keep fighting for ourselves. Um, we, it's hard to know when it's time to ask for help or if we need help. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's best to try and keep an open heart and allow the people in our lives that truly care about us that are coming to us and saying, you know what, I think something's off mm-hmm. to listen to them because they really do care. Like, my husband was telling me for months, Annie, you're not yourself, Annie, you're not yourself. And then our marriage kind of started to spiral because I put that wall up and I was like, what's wrong with you, dude? Like, I just had a baby. Why are you coming at me like this? Right. He was being kind and compassionate and trying to help me. So sometimes we have to let our guard down and not be so defensive and just try and accept that, you know what, maybe there is something going on. Mm-hmm. I love that you share that. And I love that you say in your journey of helping yourself too, because I think that is a huge portion of it. You know, a lot of times I may have maybe have a client come to me and I've been in therapy myself. And so I understand this, you know, it'd be really nice for somebody to be able to come in and just like fix it all. Like if only truly, if I could do that for people, I totally would. (laughs) But you know, I I love that you say that it's your journey and you had to find the right person to be able to come alongside you um, and help you through that because not every therapist is a good fit for everyone. And that's okay. That's why there's a variety, you know? So yeah. Yeah. You need to find someone that you click with. Like Mm -hmm. my therapist, the one I ended up sticking with had two boys of her own. Uh She had the child that didn't sleep like I had. Like we just clicked. She, she understood what I was going through and it took going through a few to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but there's nothing wrong with you if you don't click with your therapist. Like everybody has different personalities. So it's like finding almost a friend. You need to find someone who kind of gets your groove and then they come off a lot more personable than clinical. And I found that incredibly helpful. Yes. Yeah. That is great advice. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I think the especially the part uh, that you said about um, there's nothing wrong with you if you don't click. Because sometimes I think it's even something as simple as, you know, maybe the therapist reminds you of somebody from the past or they have some type of mannerism that's similar to someone who is just like terrible to you. You know, it's neither of your fault, but you went through an experience and for some reason that just doesn't click and that's absolutely okay. And I tell people I'd rather have someone just tell me like, hey, this isn't working. And then I can refer them to somebody who will, because it's most important that we exactly. all get the help we need. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what would you say, when did you notice, you know, after starting to take your medication and such that something was improving for you? Like, was there a certain day where you're like, huh, things just seem a little bit better or was it just kind of a slow process for you? Honestly, it happened really fast. Um, I know. Yeah, I know sometimes it takes a while to adjust your meds. And I was definitely preparing myself for that. But within the first week, I noticed that I was so much more rational. um, And I really noticed it when it came to my husband. Unfortunately, my husband kind of became my punching bag because he was the closest person to me. Um, And I really my form of postpartum depression was more rage. Um, I had a very hard time managing my emotions and I was incredibly depressed where I didn't want to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing with all of that is I didn't let my kids see it. Mm -hmm. So during the day I put on the happy face, I put on the brave face. I gave my kids the best childhood that I could for that day. And then when my husband came home, I broke down. Um, so when it got to the, when I started noticing when my husband would come home from work and I'd greet him with a kiss and a happy face, uh-huh. rather than take the kids, I need to go to bed. That's when I was like, holy crap, man, like things are starting to change. Right. Like, this is awesome. And the thing that my husband said, he's just like, cause I was really worried about being a zombie and all that stuff. He's like, you're Annie, like you are Annie again you're you haven't changed you're back to yourself and you're the same person you still feel you still have emotions but you're able to communicate your feelings so much more rationally and that was just like the best thing oh I bet I bet that was a really good feeling considering where you had started to feeling like oh I'm back you know oh I went from being in a constant state of wanting to escape my thoughts and my mind to being comfortable in my body, which was just like, it's a huge relief when you're not wanting to constantly run from yourself. Right. Absolutely. Such a difference. You know, I would imagine that would have been really exhausting for you to be putting on just a happy face for your kids. My goodness. How did you do like, that's actually really impressive. I hope you know that like, my goodness. Um, I think just I really never wanted my kids or want my kids moving forward to feel as though they are some type of burden or the cause of my negative feelings or my bad feelings. Um, I just feel like that's a really, and, and I don't want to say this and make someone else feel bad because this is just based on my own life experiences, but I don't want a child to go through life um, feeling like they are the cause for somebody else's hurt or pain. 
because they're not. They they didn't ask to be here. Um, and I don't want them to ever feel that way because I know when something happens to you as a child, you carry that with you throughout the rest of your life and you carry that on your shoulders and it, it, it seeps into everything else that you do. I don't want that for them. Sure. Can I ask, how do you allow them to see some emotions, but also not make them feel that way. Does that make sense? That's kind of a, a challenging question, but I'm just curious how you navigate that with your kids. Um, I do. We've started now that my son is, he's a little over two, my oldest son, and we've started talking about feelings. So we start talking about anger or sadness or when somebody gets hurt. And I do notice like, for example, this morning, he accidentally smashed me in the head with, with our bathroom door and, and, uh, it really hurt (laughs) and I kind of fell to the ground and like grabbed my head and he was just like, Oh, mommy, are you okay? Oh my God, daddy, help, daddy, help. And like, I can see that he's very sensitive to other people's feelings, um, So I try to communicate it with him in a way that he can understand. And that's kind of reasonable for a two-year-old. And I do have to say, Daniel the tiger has been like a huge help in our house about getting him to understand what his feelings are um, and kind of how to communicate that and how to understand feelings of like friends and family and people around him. Um, it's, it's actually a great show. So (laughs) no, actually, I was just thinking, I don't know that we, I know that it is on in the U S I just don't know that we have the right channels for that, but I'm going to look and see, cause that sounds pretty great. So are you familiar with Mr. Rogers? Neighborhood? Yes. So Daniel, the tiger is Mr. Rogers, but in cartoon form. (gasps) You're kidding. No, it's, it's amazing. Like there's such good little lessons in there. Um, we've done the potty training episode and my son wanted to use the potty right after. Oh my gosh. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's, it's a really great show. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'll definitely have to check that out. And I'm sure other people listening will want to for sure as well. So I'm wondering, you know, as we start kind of wrapping this up, if I can ask you some questions that I ask everybody. Yeah, for okay. sure. Awesome. So have you heard of uh, Brene Brown? Are you familiar with her at all? The name sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, she is an author. She's a social worker um, and she re- researches shame and vulnerability. That's kind of how she got her start. Um, and she's written a lot of books, but in one of her books is called Braving the Wilderness. And so she talks about, you know, a time in life where you step out into the wilderness and you're all alone and you're just kind of navigating it and you don't know where you're going and you don't know, you know, really what to do. Uh, But as you step out there and just in faith, you are able to meet other people who are also in their own wilderness. So I'm wondering if you can think of a time where you felt like you were in stepping out into your wilderness. Ooh, Um, becoming a mom. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a, it's, oh gosh, becoming a mom is one of those things where you expect instinct to kick in. And like, I spent my entire childhood preparing to be a mom. Like there was no reason why instinct and my preparation and and reading books and blogs and all that stuff shouldn't have made it easy and natural, but it wasn't. And I felt like I was just navigating like uncharted waters, which I was like, I had no idea what I was doing, but I do have to say, um, 
since becoming a mom, I've met other women in their wilderness. And those women have become my closest friends. Like I have never felt like I fit with people the way I fit with other moms. Like they just, they get me. Um, and you have to put yourself out there to find them and not every mom will click with you because there's a lot of differences in the way people raise their children. Um, and I find you tend to really like bond with the ones that have the same morals and values as you do. But there's really something wonderful about being thrown out into the wild and having to find your place because you do find bits of yourself you never knew existed before when you're forced to kind of survive. Yes. Oh, I love that. That, that is spot on. I love that so much. And I have to laugh and tell you this. Do you remember that um, post that you did about snacks for like the play date, the wiener wrap snacks? Yes. <laughs> so, so I assume those are for making like pigs in a blanket, like hot dogs. Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. I have yeah. to tell you, I saw that and I was like dying laughing because I didn't even know that was something that actually like existed, that they were made purposely yeah. for that, purposely to wrap around yeah. a hot dog. <laughs> so yeah. I told my husband about it and he was like, well, can we find some of these somewhere? And, like, <laughs> and that killed me because I think- Mary. Yeah, because I think your husband had found them too, right? And was like, we need to try these. He did. So, yeah. Yeah, I I wanted croissants. Yeah. Um, because I thought that they would make easy snacks for the kids. Just throw some like spinach and ham and cheese and stuff in them and yeah. bake them in the oven. Um, But instead I ended up with these wiener wraps, <laughs> which like... They turned out rock hard. Did they? Oh, bummer. They were pretty good, though. I gotta say, they weren't weren't terrible. Throw some mustard on them or something, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that helps. What I love about that is if you're having someone over for a play date and they're going to, like, you know you know be grossed out by something like that <laughs> at least for me that's not my tribe like you know I need yeah, to find someone no, not else at all, man. so not yeah. at all. so I love that and I love that you're so so real in those aspects of things too oh, so thanks. that's awesome so who would you say and it can be multiple people but who would you say has been your biggest maybe I'm going to give you two your biggest encourager in life in general and then your biggest encourager as a mother Um, so, oh gosh, my husband has been like fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know some people might disagree with saying that like your man is your biggest cheerleader and like giving him credit, but I'm going to give my man credit because he is like, he is fantastic. He has, um, been one of those people that like, I can guarantee I haven't been the easiest person to live with sometimes, but he has never let me know that he has kind of always seen beyond that and held my hand and recognized when I've been struggling and I feel like I'm going to get emotional um but he has like helped walk me through some of my hardest moments and our hardest moments Mm -hmm. um and really kept it together for us and he's encouraged me like he's the one that encouraged me to quit my job and pursue writing and like he's the one that encouraged me to write a book and I actually just signed with an agent and like oh my gosh yeah so it's just like he's been my biggest cheerleader and he's the one that's pushing me to kind of like face um, my fears and pursue my dreams. So he's been amazing. Um, When it comes to motherhood, my mom, for sure, hands down, like my mom was the June cleaver of households. Uh Like, and she never let us know that it was hard, Mm -hmm. even though there were times that were very hard. Um, 
And she like, I call her every single day, usually multiple times. And she just talks me through whatever I'm going through. Um, so she has been kind of my biggest cheerleader um, when it comes to motherhood. Oh my goodness, I love that. So can we talk a little bit about the book then? I mean, I don't know how much you can say. I don't want to. I'm so excited about that portion. Oh. <laughs> so first of all, I guess I should say my apologies. I should say thank you so much for sharing that about the encouragers. But let's talk about the book because that's awesome. So I guess it's going to be going out to publishers soon so fingers okay. crossed that it gets awesome. picked up by a publisher yeah. um I have an agent here in Toronto which is amazing to have someone local because I'm not a fan of flying yes yeah <laughs> um Understand. so I I kind of wanted to stay local here in Canada um and my book is really just it's a part about my story and it's also a part about finding yourself when motherhood and adulthood clash um oh, so, which I think we all kind of go through, especially in our generation, like, I hate to say the millennial generation, but right. I think a lot of us are kind of experiencing motherhood with a ton of other weight on our shoulders. Yes. Um, and it's very tough to navigate. And we feel so often pulled away from either our kids or a personal development or our spouse or somebody, right? So it's all about how do you keep the balance in your life and, and through all of that. Right. No, I love that. That's going to be great. You have to keep me updated on that. I would love to be able to, I will, to read sure. that and everything. That's awesome. You know, the other portion of that is I saw... Um, I think it was just like a little meme or something like that on Facebook, but I saw where it said, you know, mothers are expected to mother like they have no other job and expected to work at their job like they're not mothers. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's deep and very true yeah. in a lot of ways. And so I think yes. that's, that's a portion of it, trying to navigate all of that. Yeah. And I think like the great thing is, is like the second wave feminist. So like yep. our moms all pave this wonderful way for us to be whoever we want to be, which is amazing. And they create, like they helped create um, like equal gender roles in the home and at work and all that stuff, but it's still not enough. Mm -hmm. Like we are still the ones who, Oh, baby sick. Mom has to go get them from daycare or mom has to take the afternoon or mom has to do drop off and make lunches and cook dinner. And they're still, we're doing everything. Like there are some really wonderful men or partners out there that are helping pull the weight, but a lot of us uh-huh. are still doing everything because there still isn't that flexibility um, right. at work. Right. You know, and I wonder too, from employers' perspectives, I, I don't know this, so, you know, again, don't like hold this to the stone or anything, but what I'm wondering is if employers are more lenient with women when it comes to like staying home with kids and they would be with men that would be really interesting to, to know. I think I don't know if it's lenient or if they just kind of write them off after they have a baby sure sure <laughs> but, yeah, that yeah like I think it's just it's just kind of expected although where my husband works they've been really great with my husband like I said we've had kind of our fair share of stuff happen um especially in this last year and if my husband's had to run to a doctor's appointment or when I was on bed rest they let him stay at the hospital with me for two weeks so they have been very understanding um but still like kind of when it comes down to it my husband makes more money than I do his job 
is more important when it comes to our livelihood. So I'm the one that's had to make the sacrifices. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I think it's like for a lot of homes in, in North America. Yes, I think I think you're right about that. I know even for my husband and myself, um, before I started private practice, we would sit down and be like, okay, well, if you take the day off of work, how much, you know, I mean, we could use sick time yeah. too, but, you know, what is the difference that we would lose there versus if I take time off, you know, and even just figuring up that portion of things, I think um, it does come exactly. down to a financial aspect a lot of times. I think it would be lovely if we never had to think about finances, but that's not reality. I know. (laughs) Think of like the stress that would disappear. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. They do say that um, financial issues, you know, are one of the leading causes of divorce. I mean, it's for a reason. You know, I tell people a lot of times, you know, that, you know, certainly money isn't quote everything, but if you can't eat or you can't pay your bills, I mean, it quickly becomes a huge focus of yours because you can't live. I mean, how can you live without having that? And so I think that that, I wonder exactly. if that's what's running in mom's mind sometimes too. Do you know what I mean? I think that uh, women kind of have the ability to have more like browsers open <laughs> than men do at times. And so we're constantly thinking about, oh, well, yeah. if we do this or if we do that or how's that going to affect people and, and our family. So, so can you tell us if somebody does want to be able to follow your journey um, and contact you, how would they reach you? Okay, so you can follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash grownuplamour, or you could go to my website, which is www.annaliselawton.com. Okay, great, great. And so are you um, doing like public speaking and things like that as well? Not yet. I would love to. That's where I'm really, that's like probably the next goal. Um, I don't know if you can see, but my vision board is up there. (laughs) So, um, I definitely would love to do some public speaking. Um, the book is definitely on the horizon and I would just love, I, I know this might sound cheesy, but I I would love to be a mommy advocate and just either work with the government in changing legislation or work with not-for-profits, something where we can make some movement for mothers uh, across the horizon. Like that would just be a dream come true. Yeah, no, that's great. And I don't think that's cheesy. It seems like it's very fitting for you. You know what I mean? Like the role that you're already playing in things, I can see that very easily, um, you know, transpiring to making some really big changes. And so that's awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing like what happens in your journey as well. So you Thank certainly, you. Yeah, you certainly have to keep us updated on that. Is there anything else you want to share with everyone before we wrap up here? Any other thoughts you have? Um, I just want to tell all the mamas out there that they are doing a great job, yes. even though it feels so hard. And I know that some days you really just want to throw in the towel. And then some days it's amazing. And you're like, oh, this mom thing is so easy. Yes. Um, motherhood ebbs and flows like that. Um you're just, you're doing a great job. And I know people tell you, um, oh gosh, what's the saying? Oh man. It's like this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't listen to that baloney. If you're feeling <laughs> yeah. like you're having a bad day, just like eat that up for breakfast. You have that bad day. Yeah. Don't let anybody make you feel guilty for not enjoying every second because you don't have to. <laughs> yes. I love that you said that about enjoying every second because I actually got really wrapped up on that. Like when I first had my son because everyone was like, cherish every moment. That was always what they said to me. So literally I'm like sitting there and he's oh, like no. screaming and I'm like, I should be cherishing this, but this sucks. <laughs> like, let's just call it like it is. Yes. This is sucking, yes. you know. It can suck sometimes and yes. that's okay. 
okay. Yes. You know, I think that a lot of times we get stuck in like very black and white thinking. So either it's all great or it's all bad. And it's like, no, you know, there are some really amazing moments and there are just some really hard ones. And I'm not going to treasure that my son, you know, had some nights where he wasn't sleeping or he was cranky and I couldn't come for him. Like, I'm not going to treasure those. I'm going to treasure like, you know, the good things that are happening now. You know? Yeah, exactly. You don't need to treasure everything. Right. Like my son stuck his hand in his diaper and pulled out his own poop the other day. <laughs> oh, no. We'll probably laugh about that down the road, but in the moment, I was not. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I can definitely understand that, though. You know, I think too. I heard a while back that there are um, like moms that enjoy different parts of their children's childhood as well. And so I would really encourage people to know that if you're not a baby mom, that's okay too. Because what I have learned is I'm not really a baby mom. I like this toddler, you know, and I, I don't know, you know, cause that's the age we're in right now. So almost three are like, this is like my jam. I'm loving this time. Yeah. But some of the early time wasn't great. And it can be different for each baby. Like my first son didn't sleep and I had such a hard time. Um, and I wasn't a huge baby mom. My second son, I just want to like smother oh. him <laughs> in the baby head because yes. don't tell them this. It's an angel compared to his older brother. Um, oh, <laughs> so it can that be could, different for each child. Right, right. That could have a big impact on it. I Thank you a lot for pointing that out because that's a really valid point that, you know, I certainly haven't experienced myself, but that I will keep in mind, you know, in the future is that each child is so very different. And so there may be different they stages. They are very different that you like for for a different one. So I appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. And it was so nice to talk with you. Thank you for listening to Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. For all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. A special thank you to our producer, Joe Burkett, and our assistant, Carrie, who both helped to make this podcast possible. See you next week for another episode.